Thanks for joining me for another episode of A is for Adulthood. Today is brought to us by the letter M, as in multiple sclerosis. Now, MS is something that I've struggled to understand, and perhaps that's because it comes in all shapes and sizes, and it's not always outwardly visible. And I was curious, am I the only one struggling to understand just what it is? So I reached out to a few friends and asked them to define MS. This is what they had to say. Uh, I don't actually know. I'm not a doctor. But I think it has something to do with, I don't know, is it muscle deterioration? Lack of control of certain... I don't know. I don't know. I think it has to do with muscle deterioration and gradual sort of weakening of muscles and body control over time, I think, maybe. I don't know. A really sh- crappy disease. Do you know anybody that has MS? Yes, actually. Um, you don't have to like say what their name is, but you can say like a coworker, a family member. A friend, family friend. <laughs> it's like where your muscles and everything start to deteriorate. Do you know anybody with MS? Yes. Can you? You don't have to say like their name, but like I said, it's a coworker's mom. Is the disease something with your bones? I don't know. <laughs> Do you know anybody that has MS? Uh, no. What is multiple sclerosis? Uh, the myelin sheath either grows too thick or too thin. No, 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 no. Multiple sclerosis, is that, that's the one that's MS, right? Multiple sclerosis. Yeah, MS. Yeah, MS. Yeah, so the myelin sheath, which is what goes over nerves to communicate between, like, yeah, like, I'm sorry, I'm picturing it. And there's the dendrites, and so the body part um, in between has a covering, which is called the myelin sheath. And it either gets too sick or too thin, but it then messes up the communication of nerves. Or, like, so that communicate, like, whatever chemical reaction happened to say, like, pick up that pencil, right? Then that doesn't that starts that communication starts getting messed up in the brain because of the change in the myelin sheath but i remember ms ms as always shireen appears to know just about everything don't let that get to your head now to help us understand ms better we'll be joined today by two guests there is kristen king an actress and musician who suffers from ms and has written a song about her experience. As well as Don Frazier, the founder and director of Bike the U.S. for MS, an organization that raises money for MS research while biking across the U.S. and stopping to help those with MS along the way. Today, we will get to hear two perspectives, that of someone with MS and that of someone supporting others with MS. Kristen King is a mother, wife, actress, and musician living in Los Angeles and living with MS. Between days on set for Jane the Virgin and Gronish and raising her little girl, Kristen took some time to share with me the story of her journey with MS. These are her words, and this is her story. did you come to learn that you had MS? Oh man, it was crazy. I was, I was taking a road trip with my friends to Oregon and I was a designated driver. And on our way back, I woke up in the morning that day that we were on our way back and Mm -hmm. the whole right side of my body was numb. Like, you know, when you like fall asleep on your leg or something and it has those little tingles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, maybe I slept on really bad on my whole right side of my body last night because I wasn't sleeping in my own bed so maybe and um as the day went on and we were driving we were like on the ninth hour of driving I couldn't even move it It was like a lead foot 
it was really scary. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe a, a nerve is out or, or like I have a pinched nerve or something's out. And so I went to the Cairo and nothing changed. It was nuts. Long story short, I was in a neurologist's office by the end of the week and she admitted me in a hospital. Wow. And did they know right off the bat that it was MS or did it take them a while to diagnose? She did. She did. She she diagnosed me right away, the neurologist. But me being me, I'm also, I'm like crazy about, you know, all types of being, just being misdiagnosed and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, of course, I wanted like second opinions, a ton of MRIs and just everybody came back with the same thing. That, that's that's got to be crazy because I would probably be doing the same thing too, being like, no, 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 you haven't yeah. looked enough. I probably just pinched something. What I'm curious, yeah. what, what was your understanding of MS at the time that you were diagnosed? Did you know what it really was? I literally, I literally had no idea. I had no idea. All I know is that when I was younger, I used to volunteer at like a place where they, with children who had like muscular dystrophy, MS, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really know what they were. I just saw that. I thought that that was something like that happens when you're young. And um, how the neurologist best described it was she showed me like something that looked like an iPhone charger where it's like perfectly wrapped. But then you know how sometimes like over time, like the wire starts to seep through the little encasing around Mm -hmm. the wire starts to sleep through and then the wires start popping out and eventually the, the charger doesn't even work anymore. That's kind of what it's like um, with your nerves and your myelin sheath around the nerve. And I don't, I, perhaps the way I'm phrasing this um, question is assumptive, but how long did it take you to accept that you had MS? Oh man. You know, I I think I accepted it right away, but I didn't want to believe that there was no cure. That I could not accept. Mm -hmm. Every doctor told me that I'd have to be on drugs for the rest of my life, that um, stem cell therapy was, like, not at all advanced enough to even do it, and just that I would be in a wheelchair in the next few years. Wow. How did you and do you continue to cope? You know, um, I tried to live my life not focusing on the problem, more focusing, like, on the solution. What are things that I can do? Well, I can walk up the street. I can walk up the small hill. I can do Pilates. I can pick my daughter up. Like, I I focus on those things, and Mm -hmm. I get stronger at those things, and, um, you know, with my treatment of stem cell, it's just that I just, I just make it go right. You know, um, I try to live my life in this idea that I don't have a disability. I just, I'm just a little bit less fortunate in the sense that I don't have like all the abilities that, um, normal and who's really normal these days. Right. Um, but like, you know, like what the ideal body is supposed to be doing. And you talked early about, you know, the first thing that you had noticed uh, was the numbness. What other symptoms, mm-hmm. like what other symptoms do you have? Do you still have the numbness? I don't have the numbness anymore. I haven't had the numbness for years, which has been great, um, which was also something that was told to me that I w- it would always be there. And it's not so interesting that's really good yeah and um what i also had double vision in my left eye um actually when i spoke to the neurologist they told me that i was like in the top 10 percent of people's vision who who heals itself back up so Usually with someone with MS, like their vision, their their optical nerves are damaged. They're damaged for good. They don't go back. So I got very lucky in that sense. Okay. And, um, yeah, and I had paralysis on the right side of my body and the paralysis on the left side of my face. So I didn't know if I was going to have a modeling career, acting career ever again. At least that has to do with my looks. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, any just... Just having 
a face that works. It doesn't even have to be gorgeous. I just want a face that works. It was very um, scary to not be able to see that my face could possibly stay not um, paralyzed on one side. And are you saying, is that something that has gotten better? Yeah, it, it got better after about uh, two months. I could My face went back to the way it was. If you were to really study my face, you could see that my left side is just a little bit less movement. But I could just be picky because I don't know. Well, you know yourself, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I know myself. But nobody else would be able to be like, oh, yeah, her face used to be paralyzed. Tell me a little more about that stem cell treatment that you mentioned. Yes. Okay. So I did my stem cell treatment with Stemgenics, who is the only certified um, stem cell company in the United States. And they follow some um, FDA guidelines within reason, um, as it's something the FDA hasn't approved yet. Um And so you basically have to do it at your own risk. And stem cells, their job, regardless of like pulling it from your body, like when you were younger, you had, when you broke a bone, your stem cells jobs are to like go to the part where your body is broken and duplicate that type of cell and rebuild itself. And so that's what the, in the stem cell surgery, what they does, they take out fat and they're dormant stem cells. And they put it in this proprietary machine that is kind of like a centrifuge machine in, in which it like revitalizes the stem cells and they become little seeds and then they place it in the spots in your body. For example, me, my forearms, my legs, my spine, and my brain. They place them there and then the stem cells grow and then they become brain cells and they repair the myelin sheath. It's wow. really amazing. Yeah. So how, have you had it a couple so treatments cool. or is it, have you just had your first treatment? Yes. So, no, I had my first one um, in 2013. And then um, I had my second treatment just this December in 2017. Um, after going back and getting a second MRI um, and the, seeing that there was more lesions that had popped up. But all the lesions from the, after the first treatment were gone or barely visible. So it definitely works, and at least in my case, because I caught it early. I didn't take drugs for a really long time and then waited till I had, my body had a lot of damage before deciding, well, these drugs aren't working, so let me do stem cell now. Well, mm-hmm. it has a lot of repair to do if you do it at that point. Since you've been diagnosed with MS, have you noticed a shift in how people interact with you? Um, well, it's funny. Most people don't know that I have MS because um, it's one of those diseases which is really hard to uh, explain unless you can visually see it. Mm-hmm. People don't believe that you are sick. And truly, I don't like to live my life that I am sick. I don't claim it. I just say that I've been diagnosed. I never say I have MS because I don't want to like claim it. But, um, for example, when... I was visible, like when I did have visible signs and I couldn't, and I was paralyzed on the right side of my body, people look at you like with pity. And that, I tell you, it's the worst thing to feel is to feel like someone is taking pity on you and you somehow feel like you just don't contribute to society. Like you literally feel worthless. And those were my darkest days was the times when Someone like me, who I used to volunteer 25 hours a week on top of working 25 hours a week and and just constantly, constantly go, go, go and working out and doing all this stuff and eating healthy to go from that to then be like standing, washing my dishes and feeling like I just ran a marathon or going up the stairs and being like, oh, I have to take a nap. Like I just couldn't contribute. And that just made me have such low morale it made me feel like I should just sit here and nobody should see me. Like, I really would feel sorry for myself when other people would feel sorry for me. 
how has it been for you personally um, wrestling with having MS and an acting and modeling career? Well, you know, you just never know when you're going to have a relapse. You just always have to be on top. And that, I, try, I, I know it's always in the back of my mind that I could have a relapse today. But, and if that's the case, I mean, you are gone. Like, you, you if I have a relapse, they're going to have to write me out of the script on Friday. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I try not to, um, I try not to think about it because it is so scary. And it took me almost a year to get over that relapse with, oh man, like the steroid treatment, you just gain so much weight on that steroid treatment and just acne and just, just the side effects of the drugs alone is enough to like, it's enough to overcome in itself uh, on top of your actual symptoms of MS. Mm-hmm. So, you so talk- um, yeah, that, that's a little scary. Of course. Did you have a situation um, when you had a, you know, a booking or day you were supposed to be on set and a relapse occurred? Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't on set, but I had so many auditions, like huge auditions, and I just had to lie for two weeks. Like, oh, I'm, I don't even remember what I said. But I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be back. I'll be ready to go. And my face was all paralyzed. I still couldn't walk yet. And I was like, yeah, I'll be back and ready to go in two weeks. Like, just they had no idea and I couldn't keep prolonging these auditions. So obviously I lost a lot of work. I lost a lot of work. If it wasn't for the year before that I made money, like I would have lost my insurance. Like I made no money that year and it was absolutely degrading to my morale and Mm -hmm. my self-confidence and feeling like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to get my body back? Am I going to get my face back? Am I going to be able to, like, I, it was so bad that I would literally sit and play Candy Crush for hours. Like, I never used to do anything like that. But I just was, like, almost in a state of apathy. Well, like, I can't do anything anyway. I'm so tired of all these reality shows I'm watching on TV. Like, it was literally like that. And I think there came to a point where I was watching YouTube once, and it was all these videos of people who had MS and they were so depressing because it, it was like the future of what was coming for me. And there was only one, one positive person who was doing better with MS and she was doing it without drugs. She was following the minding, minding your mitochondria diet. Um, and I started just watching her and, and she was an inspiration to me. And I, that's when I decided I want to be an inspiration to somebody. I'm going to start putting up some YouTube content of me doing well with MS. I'm going to start sharing things on social media that it is possible to live with MS and live happily. Is that what led to the creation of the song that I found you through, Impervious? That's exactly what led me to the creation of it. This morning, couldn't feel my feet now like a bolt of lightning Shocked I couldn't make out the ground Blinded by what I see And by her no longer free Can't move, can't walk, can't lose Don't talk, get away from me Got a body full of chains My mind's become so deranged I was living, surviving, hardest Oh man, it was it was amazing. I was like, I need to make an anthem, like an anthem that this that's going to just uplift people, but also wanted to speak on their reality because I understand what it's like to wake up and not be able to walk. I understand what it's like to feel like please just leave me alone for today. Like I don't feel like working. I don't feel like adulting. I don't feel like doing anything. I mean, luckily this was before I had kids because I don't know how I would have managed if I had kids. That would have been terrible. Um, but um, that's, I just, I came up with it in the shower. I was just singing, what's something, what's something that, what's a word that's strong that means like persistence and like overcoming things. And then I just found the word impervious. And I was like, all right. And then I just started making up words in the shower. And then I called my producer friend and I was like, look, can you do this song with me? And he was 
over the moon about it. And actually, the song is written in a certain frequency that's supposed to help a person feel healthier, if that makes any sense. Wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yes. Um, Well, the producer was researching. um, He's also into health, too. He was Mm -hmm. researching if he was to produce the song at a certain level of frequency, it would have healing effects within the song. I was like, that is amazing. So he's still in the experimental uh, phase. But when we were on it, he had shown me like some statistics of people that had gotten better at that frequency of music. It was amazing. And what's the what was the reaction, the feedback, especially within the MS community to your song? Um, Man, I would just get messages every Every week. I mean, I think there was this one point where Stemgenics did a press release and people were saying, that's exactly how I feel. Oh my gosh, your song lifted me up today. I played your song five times today before I went to work. Or just just things that were just like amazing. It went from like zero to 10,000, I think like in three weeks. And I was just happy somebody was listening to my song, that, there, that it was helping someone, you know? Um, and the... The feedback's been really, really good. And actually, there was a doctor who was in plastic surgery that when he was, he actually works for Stemgenics now. And when I saw him, he told me that he had listened to my song and he was one of the reasons why he became a a surgeon for himself. Wow, that's got to be an amazing feeling you had when he said that to you. Yes. Yes, it was. I was very, very floored. And I just, I love that I was able to, you know, have an impact. I went from feeling like I could impact no one to impacting an entire community. And it makes me feel so good every day. How different are you from pre-MS, Kristen? Um, I live my life now with more vigor and like even small things like hanging out with my child and making sure that I'm really present for her because I don't know when I can be present again. Hopefully it, I won't have another relapse and I'll stay on top of it. But um, it, it's just interesting when you see people who want to fix all these things that are so, you know, like, you know, I don't have anything against plastic surgery and Botox and all that stuff like that, but it just makes you think, like, be happy for what you do have, because when you lose your health, that's everything, and you're just going to wish that you had your health. Thank you for sharing, Kristen. Up next is Don Frazier, the founder of Bike the U.S. for MS. How do you explain MS to somebody who doesn't know what it is? Basically, it's understood as um, an autoimmune disease, which is a way of saying your immune system is attacking itself. And with multiple sclerosis, um, your immune system is attacking your central nervous system, which can affect all nerves in your brain, spinal cord, and everywhere else. Um, so it, it can affect you in a number of different ways. And people ha- have very different outcomes. Um, some people have issues with their eyes. Some people have issues with their balance. Some people have all of those things. And um, people still don't really know what triggers the auto or the immune reaction but I think that in this day and age with computers and modeling I think we'll get to the answers we're looking for 
Have you seen, uh, at least in your time, a bit of progress as far as the research is concerned? Yeah, definitely. Um, not as much as I would have hoped for. Um, and at times, especially early on, you know, it's easy to get frustrated with the rate of progress. Um, but, you know, clinical trials can't happen overnight. You don't necessarily want to be just passing out things that may or may not work. That's, that's not how we do it here in the United States, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing, one big change since since um, 2007 when we started doing bike rides, there used to only be injectable drugs for MS, and now the um, oral therapies are pretty common. There's a handful of different brands for that. Um, but they, they don't work for everyone either. Some people have reactions to those. And it's definitely not where we would want to be. There's a lot of work to be done, but I feel, I feel like it's going to be an exponential learning curve for all of these things, given the, our computing power now. Of course. Have you always known your mom as somebody living with MS? <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yes, I have. She used to, I can remember her walking with canes when I was a little kid. Um, she's been in a wheelchair for a long, long time now. I can't remember the exact year. But she used to drop me off at elementary school on her little motorized cart, which I actually thought was sweet because she would let me drive it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I would cruise it, cruise it down the street to school. <laughs> and uh, that was fun. But So basically, yeah, as far as, as my understanding of her, she's always had that disease, which kind of stinks, but but I've had, you know, we've spent some great time together, and that's awesome. Do you recall what your mom's battle looked like to you as a child? Did you understand what MS was? Hmm. Not really. I definitely have, you know, vivid recollection of her frustrations, my dad's frustrations, Sometimes my frustrations, I regret being such a punk sometimes, which you know, I've come to terms with sort of at this point because you're a punk when you're a kid, but you still regret, still regret it to some degree. But yeah, I know, you know, the place where you grew up impacts you a lot. And it's interesting to see that my, my parents' relationship as, as things progressed and I got a give my dad massive props to this day his his number one devotion is taking care of my mom and that's pretty incredible that is so who were you as a child and what did your family life look like for you are you an only kid i am i used to think that was cool (laughs) i don't know why um because you get spoiled i guess (laughs) but these days it's it's a bit more challenging because because uh, as you start to get older, then you don't really have other people to both share in the responsibilities, but like bounce ideas off of. And maybe, maybe it's maybe in some ways it's great because sometimes I see families within these scenarios kind of like fight over whatever land choices, things like that. I don't have to deal with any of that, but I, but dealing with their you know them getting old. On my end, kind of tough. Imagine. um, I'll start by saying that about two years ago, I was driving through Capitol Reef National Park, and I saw one of your vans drive by that said, bike the U.S. for MS on the side. And ever since then, it's been stuck in my head. I pulled over, put a little note in my phone to do some research. And it wasn't so much that I wanted to know, you know, exactly what it was, because what it said on the side of the van kind of spelt out the basics of it. But I was wondering, you know, who who is this person? What is this group? What are they doing? How are they doing it? And so that's why I'm hoping that we can chat today. Um, and I'll just kind of jump into it. One of the first things I wanted to ask you is, you know, I understand that your mother's been living with MS for, uh, I guess, about three decades now. And it's understandable that you wanted to do something to help her and so many other people like her. But why with a bike? Sure. I mean, well, for one thing, you can get pretty far on a bike in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get pretty far walking, too, but not quite as far. Um, you, you really immerse yourself into whatever 
community you're passing through when you're on a bike and you know you can cover up to hundreds of miles a day if you're really ambitious about it we're you know kind of more casual about it and try to spend some time volunteering along the way and getting to know people but um for me i've always commuted on bikes they're pretty simple form of transportation and you know they require you know obviously only human power but um so i guess that's why and i had a friend that i was working with that yeah that told me about his cross-country trip and i was like weird biking across the country so you know kind of put put it all together and wanted to honor my mom doing something like that so so yeah now you said you uh, would commute on your bike. I, would you were you avid enough of a biker to feel confident to actually get on the bike and ride cross country? Because just the thought for me, I like you know I ride two miles and I'm dying and need to get off and get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's pretty much how I was leading up to the first day of the trip. That first day was my longest ride ever. I think it is for most people that do our do our rides at this point. You know. Pretty much anyone can do it. It's a it's a mental game mostly. It's Twenty miles at a time, and don't forget to eat food and drink water. And most people can probably accomplish it. Did you do any training before you hit the road? We didn't. We didn't put too much into it. I mean, we commuted to and from work in Seattle. We all did. So I guess you know, five ten miles a day every day, kind of gets you at least like mentally prepared for traffic and and all that. But Okay, yeah, that's not shabby. It's not like you were somebody who occasionally rode a bike. So that that makes a little sure, sense. Sure, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, although we have we have all types of people at this point, people that just got this bike to do the trip, you know. And, I mean, I really didn't know much about bikes at that time either. And I was kind of nervous about it. And, I, I mean, I would have made it, but not necessarily – Definitely not as easy without without our friend Devin, who brought all the tools and helped us out. But um, but we have folks now that have all range of experience and age levels. So, how exactly does Bike the U.S. for MS work? In terms of fundraising, um, we ask that you raise one dollar per mile that you ride across the country. So, depending on the route, it's like three to four thousand um, dollars. But ultimately, you know, we, we end up donating half of that at least to places that we stop at along the way. And I think that's pretty cool that folks get to, you know, individually pass along their donations to people that appreciate it. Um, but, you yeah, know, that's kind of, the, kind of the basics of it. Well, that sounds uh, pretty extraordinary, the also donating along the way. When, you, when you're donating along the way, is it just MS-focused or is it a broader reach? It's MS focused, and I think a lot of the people that sign up for our trip have little understanding of multiple sclerosis, and it's actually kind of cool, I think, for us to be able to take folks that mostly were interested in biking across America and get them to be advocates for the cause, in this case, one that is very important to me, and people find out along the way that it's really important to a lot of other people because... There's around, you know, half a million folks in the United States that are affected by MS. And as soon as you start fundraising for this or one of the other rides around the country, um, I think you find out pretty quickly that most people are affected one way or another, whether it's their uncle, aunt, brother, sister, or whatever. I saw that you were quoted in an article for Virginia Tech saying, the day-to-day challenges of the rides are challenges that you can live through. You push and survive, and in the end you'll be stronger and more confident, just like people who have to live with MS. I love the way you put that, but were you aware of this shared experience between the bike ride and MS when you first started? I guess I um, wasn't quite keen on on the similarities of something as daunting as a cross-country bike ride. It seems like something that's impossible to deal with as MS. Fortunately, I haven't been diagnosed with MS or uh, any other kind of debilitating disease yet, but... Um, you know, I certainly know that possibility is out there, so trying to take advantage of every opportunity I can while I'm still healthy. People will really tend to grow as a result of biking across the U.S. for Emma. That's been pretty cool. That was an unanticipated 
situation for sure. I mean, initially, obviously, kind of just raising money for multiple sclerosis research and for patients that need things day to day, like wheelchairs and ramps. I knew that was going to be cool, but um, seeing seeing our participants benefit in a way I hadn't anticipated, that's been really great as well. Who do you find benefits more from the work, the writers or the recipients of the fundraising? (laughs) That's a good question. Uh, It's very hard to quantify uh, really what the writers get out of it, so I'm not entirely sure. I do know that our ramps and some of our wheelchairs and our handicapped vans have impacted people tremendously. So I'm not quite sure if we top that um, or if the riders get a more impactful experience than that. But but it's good to know that we're doing we're hitting it on multiple levels. We get calls from from more experienced cyclists in their 50s and 60s, kind of apprehensive about the situation, and um, you know younger folks as well. But when everybody's out there riding, everybody kind of just blends into some age, like 20s, 30s-ish. And uh, I don't know, that's kind of cool. I think it's good for it's it's good for the older folks that haven't immersed themselves in a kind of diverse environment like that in a while. Uh, it seems like, I don't know, people get kind of in the routine of their job or, you know, their life. And after a few decades of that, you know, you... I don't know, you haven't probably met or hung out with a lot of new people or people of different ages and backgrounds. And and same thing with the younger folks. They get to become, like, peers with with folks from a totally different generation. I know it's a little bit of a weird time right now, and -hmm. people feel divided, but but, um, ultimately, if you bike across America, you you will not feel that way. And um, I think our, our riders come away feeling that, and that's pretty great. I'd imagine that all the differences kind of melt away when you're spending all day trying to, you know, bike ride 20 miles together as a group. That's certainly true. After after some of the challenges and the harder days, and at the time, challenges are are not enjoyable. But looking back, they, they often are maybe people's favorite or most memorable portion of the entire experience. It's mm-hmm. kind of cool. So tell me about that first ride. Um, you know, it was you and a couple buddies biking. Where, where would you bike from and to? So we were living in a um, in Seattle at the time, and uh, I mean, we had pretty limited understanding of what, what was going to happen, other than we were going to point our bikes east and start riding that way. We'd, we were planning on riding like sixty to hundred miles a day, which is still what our groups do. We, you know. Um, have rest stops every 20 miles or so. But um, it was pretty simple then. It was only, only a handful of us, and we could we had the opportunity to kind of camp where we wanted to, especially out west. Um, didn't have to plan for 20, 25 people like we do now. So it was a great experience. Got to meet all types of folks and felt very liberating. You feel very free when you're on the seat of your bike looking out at you know, as far as the eye can see, and there's nothing but planes. It's pretty fantastic. And was a lot of that first ride really planned out, or was it much kind of how you describe? You said you just kind of pointed your bikes east and headed that way. Did you know how the fundraising was going to work, or did you just kind of let it happen as the ride carried on? Yeah, I mean, I had a decent idea. I um, made the website as part of a my last classes to graduate from college it was an elective class, like the HTML class. Um, one of my favorite classes ever, really. And um, and I, so I kind of knew, like, all right, if we're going to raise money, we got to do it online. And this was way back in 2007. And um, so Facebook was kind of just getting rolling. And, and we, we took advantage of that. And um, we were able to raise a pretty decent amount for the first year. I mean, basically kind of the average of what people raise now, about 5000 a person through that website. So it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we planned ahead because once you get out there, it, you know, just just eating enough <laughs> becomes mm-hmm. a bit of a challenge, much less keeping, keeping up with your blog or, you know, whatever else. So, so where, do you, where do you think you're desire, ability, quest. I'm actually curious how you, you would frame it, but where do you think that 
desire to do good comes from? Uh, I think a lot of I think a lot of people our of our generation want to do more than just make money. Seems like kind of a waste of an existence. You know, and you can make money doing any number of things if you're lucky enough to be able to do more than just make money. Then seems like what you should probably do. And whether you're a religious person or not, not I don't know why I'm bringing religion into this, but. You know, people our age probably proportionally are less religious than in the previous generations, and there's still there's still these desires to want to treat people well and, and leave things better than you found them. I, I think I just fall into that. Did you have a relationship with community service or philanthropy when you were a kid? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I come from a pretty pretty nice town in Virginia that the college town and and that's kind of the vibe here is like most people are here to try to better themselves through education mostly but um in general it's a pretty positive town and i think that shapes me and you know you you did bring up you said you don't know why you brought it up but you brought up religion so i'm guessing that you might have <laughs> some relation with that you know. um i mean no I, I was sort of i mean i was baptized catholic my folks and my family traditionally were Catholic. I'm not, you know, into that particularly anymore. Um, it's not like I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not religious. In fact, we stay at so many great churches of many denominations across the U.S., and that's kind of opened my eyes up to how that whole thing works. But just more to the point of, like, you don't have to be religious to, I think, do, do great things like that and our generation seems to to want to do that more and more well and I only ask because I was kind of raised with the same background as well and I would say that even if I was moaning and groaning and not wanting to go half the time you know I did kind of get thrust into some community service and volunteering and I do know that from my childhood that's what introduced me to some of that so mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you, maybe you had any experience that way. And I think it I think it's great that you see that so many of us are wanting to do good. And I think there is a big portion of the community in the world at large that does. But I guess I can also see at the same time, there are so many people that don't think about doing for others, are just focused on making the next buck. So I do think that you, in many ways, do stand out as somebody who's not just like everybody else who, you know, actually wants to do something, actually wants to make a change. So that's that's why well, I think I'm asking is, you know, there's got to be something different in you. Because I think a lot of us might even just have an idea of what we think would be great to do, but we're not acting on it. Perhaps. And, I, and maybe I think it's probably just I was fortunate enough to be in an opportunity like this i think really if most people could they would they just can't because life comes at you quick you know and and at the end of the day if you can't pay the bills then you certainly can't be out doing anything for charity so Mm -hmm. i get that i just i think and once again i think you know when you put yourself out there doing charity events like you described you're biking across america you find out that people, you know, are much more in tune with that than they would seem if you watched the news all day. True. No, that's a good point. What, what was that turning point, or what's the good fortune you would say that you had that has allowed you to be able to do this? You know, support of all kinds from my parents, and then friends that have been willing to to pitch in by biking or doing doing other things. It's just now turned into something that I never really thought it would. How were you able to walk away from a regular, I guess, nine-to-five job, if you will? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't quite walked away, which I'm actually just <laughs> wandering around in my job right now talking to you. <laughs> but um, I, definitely, I definitely had the flexibility to be able to take some time off here and there when I needed to. And that's, once again, like my supervisor, she's amazing. And... If I didn't have her and the flexibility and this really cool job at Virginia Tech, then I, I wouldn't be able to do that. You know, I'm kind of fortunate that my job is, it's like not important enough 
that it, you know, if I miss, if I miss some time, it's the end of the world. I mean, sometimes it is, but, but, you know, it's good enough that I have health insurance and all that and can work on fun projects like Bike TS Firma. So really it's just a whole lot of luck to be in the right place at the right time, I guess. And how is your mom doing these days? God, honestly, it's, it's tough. Um, so since, since MS, it doesn't really like, doesn't kill you, you know, the way that a heart attack shuts down your heart and cancer takes over your lungs or whatever. Um, so you, theoretically, you can live for a long time. And, and, uh, right now she's on a ventilator and a feeding tube and all of that stuff. And, the craziest part is like she could theoretically live like that for some time. And that's a side of MS that I didn't, yeah, I didn't understand until recently. And it's not, it's not a good side. I didn't, I didn't think that, uh, so I didn't really think through how all of this would end, but you know, you just got to put people in as comfortable position as, as they can be in and hope for the best, I suppose. I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I I haven't personally had much experience with anybody that's been suffering from MS, but I'd always hear from people that, yes, one, they could live a very long time with it, and then there would be good days and bad days. So I never, I think I never quite understood how it looked. One step forward, two steps back kind of situation at this point. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's what makes it even tougher is, like, you don't even really see an end. An end. And it's not like you want there to be an end. But it's just like day to day, you're kind of overwhelmed by the situation. And it's one thing when you're working towards a goal, you know, and you're like, all right, we're getting better here. But if it's not getting better, it's just a major bummer. And this is, you know, like a, like, like the quote that you read from that article, man, if your mental game is not super strong, then that's going to affect you massively. And of course. And it does. It affects, it affects some people a lot, as you would, as you'd imagine. And then there's other folks that are amazing and inspire me that turn that around and actually become, you know, ambassadors for that cause, and they don't let it get to them. It's impressive. What was your mom's reaction to you starting Bike the U.S. for MS? Both of my parents were kind of like, that's cool. I mean, you know, my mom obviously, as moms are, she's proud. She would have been proud for me to do almost anything, probably. Um, but I don't think they quite understood the magnitude of it after a couple of years. And, and people were kind of like, so oh, you're still doing that bike thing, huh? Cool, man. <laughs> and Which uh, <laughs> is fine. It's that's not why I was doing that. And, and they, they weren't particularly like that, but, but, um, and unfortunately my mom doesn't travel too much. So she hasn't really been able to like go see, see some of these groups out there doing what they do, which mm-hmm. would have been fun. But, um, my dad got to come out to Seattle, surprised us out in Seattle. Um, I think he, I think he was, he was surprised at the number of people involved and that it was an actual thing. And one remark that he had that I guess will stick with me is like, you know, we do, it is a charity event. We do raise money for folks that have MS and we're oftentimes, you know, there's people with MS around, but the vibe never tends to be negative. It's everyone's positive and it's, it turned out to be a really positive situation, both both for our riders and for folks with MS that we volunteer for. And I think that's good, man. That's what you need when that's the type of support you need when when health things are getting weird or anything else is getting weird. So it's been good for me and hopefully good for other people. What are some of these um, volunteer activities that you guys do when you come through communities? Well, um, really anything that people need to a point, like we don't start busting out major power tools or anything, but, um, you know, when 
getting around it becomes difficult. It gets a little harder to clean. It's a little harder to put the bulbs in. Just all of these things, cleaning the gutters, doing yard work. And I know growing up, like, it kind of comes on slowly because you these things start building up, and it's not like something that happens overnight, but you turn around one day and your yard's a mess. So, so one thing that we <laughs> specialize in, I guess, is these yard makeovers where we just come in, 20 people, and just, like, turn the place around, get all the weeds out, maybe plant some flowers, get some mulch. And ultimately, it's not that much work for 20 people. It takes a couple hours. It would be a heck of a lot of work for one person. And, you know, it's something that we can do. I mean, alternatively, we could sit around on our entire rest day and, you know, do whatever. But why not use a couple hours, get out there, meet some folks and leave, leave the community a little better than, than we found it. What can we do to help? You know, how can we help with Bike the U.S. for MS? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I, I, the average person, and I mean, I, I find it very unlikely that you, we're talking like 0.1% maybe ever, and it's just like, totally unrealistic. I think if your mental game is strong, that your physical game almost doesn't matter. You can do it. You just have to, you got all day, it's the summertime in the Northern Hemisphere. You know, so you got like 12 plus hours. You just can't let the mental game defeat you. And I, I think that you can, basically anyone can do it under those circumstances. Um, but, I mean, and that's a choice, really. It's Less of, of like course. a physical thing, it's more well, of a, men- I, you a know, mental and, choice. And I appreciate your cheerleadership. Let's just assume I can't get the time off of work <laughs> and I've just b- had both my legs bit off by a shark and I can't bike ride with you. How can I, how can I help? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, well, for one thing, um, regardless of where you live, there's definitely a, a society chapter nearby and we're not the same charity, but we're obviously working together and they have a lot of events and, you know, fundraising opportunities, ways to get involved. Um, in terms of our organization, there's a pretty decent chance we're going to ride near you at some point, regardless of where you live in the U S and, um, we would love to see you out there in any fashion, whether you want to just say, Hey, um, if you know somebody we could volunteer for it, that is always huge um, projects that we could fund. Those are always things that, that our staff are working on in the winter to figure out. Um, I mean, there's obviously the raise money piece. People are beating you over the head to give them money though all day, and that's kind of less interesting to our generation, I guess. Um, maybe get some of your friends out to ride, too. You know, to, it's been good for me. You know, I, I guess back to the beginning of our conversation, I have always ridden bikes, but I was probably a well, probably I was a little bit overweight. Um, maybe not the best lifestyle choices going on, and biking was a way for me to kind of correct that a little bit and a little mental therapy, just personally. Aside from that whole MS thing, so. No, but I was just thinking about you saying, you know, the mental break. I know for me, sometimes when I go on long road trips, just being in the car, sometimes with the radio on or off and just driving, you know, I, it's a great mental escape. I can only imagine how that quantifies when you're on a bike riding miles and miles all day long. It's really great. And I know there's probably most people would be like, wow, that sounds like absolute hell torture. Um, and sometimes it is a little bit, it's like a really hot day or a lot of headwinds or whatever. But most of the time, it's awesome. And at the end of the, every, every single one of those days, at the end, you're like, dang, that was sweet. Look at all that stuff we did, all those things we saw, people we met. And uh, once you get home from something like that, you just, takes a while to get back into the normal rhythm of um, doing kind of the same thing every day, getting back into the routine. 
I did want to ask you, what is the reception typically for when a group of you guys are out on the road and you come into this small town and nobody's expecting you or knows what you're about? How do they usually receive you? What's the reaction you've found to be? A lot of these small towns at this point, because of the, the routes we take, are fairly popular when it comes to cycling and cross-country cycling. They know, and, and that's pretty good. It, it makes, I think, for safer routes. Um, the people in the communities tend to understand there's going to be bicyclists on these back roads all summer long. Um, so that's good. Um, yeah. Of course, sometimes you meet people that are like, you bike from where? And you'll get that the whole way, you know, starting in Virginia, even when you're 100 miles from the coast, people are like, what? Folks all day long will be like, you know, my brother has MS, my mom has MS. And that keeps you going, for sure, when the riding's a little tough. So... Do you ever stop yeah. being surprised um, when you're talking to people about how many people are actually affected by MS? It still surprises me. I was at the car dealership getting some work done on one of our vehicles and the stickers on the side of the vehicle. And not the one dude in line with me, and, well, his sister has MS, and then the lady checking me out from that line, she had MS. So I'm just like, geez, man. You know, it's not like... Every day I'm not walking around with a MS-related shirt on, but if I were, it would just probably be, like, all day long, like, yep. So one of my last questions I just want to ask you is, what do you what do you want people to know about MS? It's the one thing that, that I keep coming away from, from this experience with is, really, MS can happen to anyone. You know, there's not a, there's no gender or community really that is immune, maybe not the right word to use, that uh, is not affected by MS. So don't take for granted the good health that you have right now. You may not always have that. And there are people out there right now that don't that really would appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to share, Don. Since our conversation, his mother, Nina, has passed away. Our thoughts are with you and your family. Keep up the great work.